Now that the series is relaunched and I'm a few episodes in, it's time for me to try brewing a style I've never made before, not on the podcast and not on that YouTube channel. So in this episode, I'm going to be making my first ever dark mild. So let's find out what this beer turns out like as compared to what it's supposed to be like right now. Welcome to Big Monster Brewing. I am Matt, and in this episode, I will be making a dark mild. A dark mild is a low alcohol, but still somewhat full flavored beer. In fact, the BJCP guidelines, their overall description describes it perfectly. It calls it a dark, low-gravity, malt-focused British Session Ale readily suited to drinking in quantity, refreshing yet flavorful and with a wide range of dark malt or dark sugar expression. It's a style that pops up now and again here locally in Orlando, and I've always enjoyed them when I've had them. In fact, one brewery, it's almost a, it seems like it's a staple beer for them. It's always there, and I always enjoy it. It's going to be fun trying to balance out that low body without being watery and without it washing out the flavors that can come when choosing the right malt combination. The big challenge is going to keep that ABV low. The style guidelines range is 3 to 3.8% ABV. That's not a very wide range, and it's also a very low starting number. Especially when that starting gravity number is so low, and a yeast, a very active yeast, can certainly dry out a beer really quick. And when you're looking at numbers low like that, getting towards the dry side adds up really quickly in ABV. So this, again, this is going to be a bit of a challenge, but one I'm actually really looking forward to. Another challenge is that I don't have a recipe of my own for a dark mild yet. This is one I'm starting from scratch. So what I usually do is look up some proven recipes from other websites, other things brewers might share, books, etc., and kind of fit in what I know of combinations of malts and what I'm trying to achieve might work best. This is a first time recipe. It doesn't get as many more test testing brews than it's going to in this episode. But talking about the recipe and talking about brewing this beer won't happen if I don't get out and start my brew day. So let's go to the recordings of my brew day for my very first dark mild. It's brew day or night. Not sure exactly when I'm going to brew yet, but I am doing some prep work for brewing. One thing specifically I'm doing right now is the last one gallon fermenter I have available is the one that's got a kind of a, I don't know what you would say. I guess I'll just say like a wonky hole, a strange uh, cutout in the um fermenter where the valve goes the valve completely disassembles so you can wash it and there's this it's almost perfectly circle except for this one little corner like if you look at it and you kind of square it off it'd be like the upper right hand corner it's just a little kind of because this little groove in it like the like either the bit slipped or the fermenter slipped when it's being drilled and it's it's work it's very workable but the thing is you have to get the valve in kind of centered or i guess between that and the lower right hand corner to make sure that the washers that the valve comes with covers that completely and then a little bit more to make a watertight seal and it's not i don't always get it right the first time and normally i'm scrambling to do it over when i need to put the wart into the fermenter I think 
in fact, I know this is the very first time I'm going to put it together and water test it before I get to that point, hours before I brew. I'm very proud of myself for thinking of doing that. And hopefully I remember to do it again when I have that fermenter. But I'm going to do that now and hopefully save myself some panic work later on today. About an hour later and I'm checking the fermenter and the worst case scenario is that it, it's barely leaking, but it's still leaking. And I did switch the uh, towel underneath twice just to make sure it wasn't some residual water from filling it that may have slipped down the sides. It's got a very teeny tiny leak, which means I well, my next attempts will probably make it worse before it makes it better. But the first thing I'm going to try to do is tighten it as is. Maybe it's just not tight enough, but I think this is going to end up being longer, a longer process than I hoped. But I won't record every attempt. I'll let you know when I finally get to the end and what it took to get there. All right, I got the fermenter all squared away now, and it did take two more tries. I guess two and a half. Well, we'll call it two, just to give you an idea what I did in case you're waiting all that break for an explanation. I did try retightening it, and I think that made it worse. In fact, well, that made the leak worse, but I had to, in order to get a real grip, I had to loosen it in order to tighten it again, if that makes sense. You probably understand. It's a plastic um, nut on a plastic thread that's big enough to wrap your, like put your your finger and your thumb in an okay position, that's about as, as much room as you need. So you, you've probably worked with other things where you kind of have to, to, in order to get some torque going, you have to back off a little bit, then wrench it in. And I think in doing that, I moved it even more because the leak was worse. So I took the whole thing apart. I put a new washer in the front because it looked like it was seeping through the front, though it's hard to tell because it's PET. But for some reason to me, it looked like the sources in the front. I could have been wrong. So that worked. Either that particular washer worked or taking it all apart and putting it back together. Maybe I got it in the right spot. I don't know. I don't even know why I'm describing it because this is boring. No one cares. All I care about is it stopped leaking and I can move on with my brew day. Well, my brew day is already derailed and going towards a brew night, which I figured would happen. But right now not because of the reasons i thought it was it's uh january not uh it's december 30th the friday before new year's eve weekend and my wife and i both got off work early and our friends got off work early and they want to meet us at a local brewery so we're about to do that in the next hour so i I'm not even going to start because I can't brew no matter how small a batch of beer in an hour. But I'm going to get the grains together. So let me go through the grain mill here. This is the first time I'm making a dark mild. So it's a new recipe. It's based on at least at least six resources. Probably more if I count everything. I'd glance at online to see what goes into a typical dark mild with my own, not twist, but preference in it. My preference for that was using all... British malts. I saw most of the dark mild recipes, the successful ones, had some sort of medium range crystal and, or I guess it would be caramel, the American version. I probably get those backwards already. And a, a, a higher range, not but not so high, not any higher than 120L. So I'm going with pure uh, British malts for those. And I'll 
this will make maybe more sense as I go. Base malts, one and a half pounds of Maris Otter. This is a, I should mention, this is going to be about a three and a half um, percent beer. So these numbers are not wrong. They're just very small. So again, that's base malt, three and a half pounds of Maris Otter. Then for that mid-range crystal, I'm using 2.8 ounces of 5060L. Then I'm going to put in 1.6 ounces of brown malt, which is kind of replacing some... Uh, pale chocolate I've seen. I've also seen people use straight up chocolate or carafa in low doses, and I think that's for color. I am also going to try to draw some color out of the brown, but I want a little bit of that kind of not roasted, but toasted, that baked flavor that it brings. It's going to be such a small alcohol beer. I'm trying to squeeze as much flavor out of as little ingredients as I can. And along with that, it's 1.4 ounces of 70 ADL. That's my higher range crystal malt for this beer and keeping it in a uh, British, um, what do you call it, <laughs> ingredients. And then last, lastly, one ounce of white wheat. And now chances are my white wheat is probably American or German. I, didn't, I don't specifically buy regional white wheat. But it's the last bit. It's only one ounce. So it's mostly, it's, I don't know what the percentages are. It's like 90 plus percent British malts. And then when we get into the hops, which, well, should I, yeah, what the heck? Well, no, I'm going to have to measure those out. So I'll talk about it then. Those are strictly British malts or hops. And you can probably guess which one it is. It's a hop. And it's like the most British hop. In fact, if you've listened to the Strong Bitter episode, you already have your answer. But anyway, I am not getting anywhere by not measuring out these malts, so I'm going to do that now. It's several hours later. In fact, it's the next day because after meeting our friends at the brewery, we did go get dinner. And by the time I came home, I kind of looked around at where I'd brew and what was done and not done and said, do I really want to be on my feet for another three maybe four hours if i move slow and i decided i did not want to so i called it a night it's the next day and i am back at it ready to brew take a good look at the anvil it's probably this is probably gonna be the last brew before it gets a deep cleaning i do clean it after every brew but sometimes it just needs even deeper cleaning and for me that entails Scrubbing the inside really well with Barkeeper's Friend, giving that a good rinse, and then a soap wash to get any of that. I think it's a I think that's a caustic cleaner. I'm not sure, but just to make sure it's a gritty cleaner. So make sure all that's out. Then I put some water, fill it halfway-ish with water, put in the malt pipe uh, basket, take apart the valve, put all those pieces in, and put in some PBW and heat it up to 180 degrees and let it sit for a couple hours, actually just to let it really eat it, the stuff that's in the nooks and crannies of the malt pipe specifically. And then take that out, rinse it, and then give the outside a good wipe down and then a good once over with some stainless steel cleaner or might even technically be polished. But it's about that time for it, but too late now because, well, it's not too late now, but I'm going to talk myself out of doing that now and move on with the brewing because it's set up, but there's nothing in it yet. But I'm about to change that. I am adding the water and I am crossing a hurdle that came up in this whole setting up to brew and that is the water. I wanted to start with distilled water and 
build up my water profile for this particular beer and the store had no one gallon distilled water jugs but they did have a case of 32 16.9 ounce water bottles of distilled water i don't know who drinks distilled water out of the bottle but didn't bother me because i was actually happy to find some substitute but getting this water in here it's gonna take a while have all the water I need and it took almost 17 of those 16.9 ounce bottles to get me the two gallons I need in the foundry and the half gallon I need for sparge and I have I did the math let's say I have just over four gallons of water in this 32 pack four gallon it cost me 329 four gallons of one or four bottles of one gallon jugs of distilled water is slightly less no, more than that. I'm sorry, slightly more than that by 32 cents. And I thought, well, hey, maybe I can make up some money <laughs> for time, 32 cents at a time. Then I realized it was 32 cents at a time. That's like, what, a stamp in 1990? Plus the fact that this was <laughs> like ridiculously labor intensive for water to unscrew all of those bottles. And they're the thinnest bottles you have ever held in your life. And every time I picked one up a little bit, squirted out and I got it on the counter. So the counter needs a good wipe down now. So to avoid all that and to just dump in through, I only would have needed the three this time. I wouldn't need the four, but to only dump in four gallons, four bottles instead of 17, I'll pay the 32 cents. Maybe I'll cash in a stamp because that's like, what, 42 cents, 45 cents now? I don't know why I'm using stamps as a currency for this particular episode, but that's what it is. Anyway, point is, had the water, wanted to give you a bottle count. Almost 17, a little bit here left. I'll probably drink that as it goes. Or if I, this bottle so thin, it may collapse and fall over and spill over the counter for all I know. But water's in. Now I'm going to get ready to get that up to temp. I'm getting this up to mash temperature, which is going to be 154 for this beer. Turning the power to 100% for the heating elements. And then I'll turn the pump on, get this recirculating, and get the water up to temp for the meshing. I mentioned I wanted to use distilled water to build up my water water profile. And what I mean by that is I wanted to add salts and other minerals, mostly forms of salts, to get the water to better suit the grain bill as far as reaching a pH of about 5.2, within a couple points of that, to get the best efficient, efficiency I can out of the beer also for in certain circumstances to taste some salts accentuate like hops or malts or or whatever but in this case it's it's kind of more for balance uh, maybe a little bit to accentuate the um, uh, color range of the beer that the specialty malts are bringing or i guess accentuate the specialty malts is a better way to say that now what i do is i use a spreadsheet program called brewing water to you to calculate what I want. Now, I don't know. I know I can't right now. I don't know if I can ever actually do an episode more on water chemistry because I have a limited understanding. I know what I want and I know how to use that tool to get me that, but I don't know exactly what each edition is doing specifically. I have a general idea. Like, for instance, I understand. I shouldn't say I know, but I I'm of the understanding that gypsum 
enhances hops, but then there's a lot of other things. There's, there's calcium chloride, there's Epsom salt, there's, you can use chalk sometimes, especially when you have a very acidic, I believe it's acidic um, green bill, but I'm saying that out of guessing, I don't know. So while I do that and I understand what I want, I don't understand how the details of it between what I want and what the program tells me to do there's a huge gap there. So I did want to mention, I didn't want to gloss over the fact that I'm building the water, but I did want to explain why I'm not describing it in much detail. Maybe that's a goal for me as the show progresses again, is to get a better understanding, like find out what each of those additions do and why that amount does what it does to the beer. But right now, I just know that it does, or I've experienced that it does, and there's that large gap between what I'm putting in and my result. So again, didn't want to gloss over the fact that I'm talking about distilled water and building it up. Just wanted to explain. I explained in much detail how I don't understand that I can ex- enough to explain. Does that make sense? Maybe I should just get back to the brew. I just milled the grains and the aroma alone from the crushed grains is nearly exactly what I'm looking from for this beer. So this is off to a great start. So now I'm just waiting for the two gallons of water to reach mash temperature so I can put these in, mash in, and it's only two gallons of water, so it's probably gonna be ready any second. I am mashed in, and this is a super thin mash. Even with it being just two gallons of water, there's so little grain compared to other beers I've made at this mash is really thin. So the ABV in this is gonna be in the 3% range and it's not even gonna, shouldn't, well, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. The plan is for it not to even get near four. Uh, So in fact, the style guideline range, if I'm not mistaken, is 3.2 to 3.8% ABV. So that's a lot less grain, even like there's not even additional sugars or anything, just grains alone, very small grain bill. Even though the water's a little less than normal, the grains are even less so than normal, I guess is the way to say it. So anyway, the point is very thin, no problem stirring, put all the grains in at once, not a single dough ball, because there just really was no chance of that happening with so few grains going into this water. I am in my brew supply area where I keep all most most of my things. But the point is uh, the grains. I have about twenty uh, five ish containers of miscellaneous uh, specialty grains that I had to buy a certain amount, but didn't need that much. So leftover grains that that, that get reincorporated. So. I know I have. In fact, I found it. That was pretty easy. I have Carafa Three. That is a dehusked dark grain that should add a little bit of um what sort of look i'm multitasking here i was opening up the grains it should add color without affecting aroma or um taste especially the way i'm about to use it so i'm gonna get let me get a con- empty container here get my scale going and get a half ounce here prepared Oop, there. Wow. That's about as perfect pour up. That's a little little high once it all settles. Let me take some out. Okay. I have a half ounce. 
I'm going to mill that probably twice. I want to get a really fine uh, mill out of this. Like I want it to be smashed up really well. Because what I'm going to do is when I get to the last five minutes of the total mash, which will be during mash out, in the last five minutes, I'm going to sprinkle those ground carafa three grains on top of the mash and let the recirculation run directly through it as well as a sparge. And hopefully that should draw enough color to get it to where I want without it, again, adding any flavor or aroma changes. So let's see. I've, not, I've done this before to different degrees of success and non-success. Haven't done it for a while. Let's see what happens. It's time to get the boil additions ready and they are super simple for this beer. This is not a hop forward beer by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, what I need is 20 IBUs of bitterness and since it's gonna be, it's gonna be at the beginning of the boil, technically I could probably use just about any hop, but I wanna keep that British ingredient, uh, I'll say tradition, I don't know what the theme for this beer going, or goal, that's a better way to say it. So I'm gonna use East Kent Goldings. The ones I have are 5.1% alpha acids. So putting that in, I need 0.23 ounces at the start of the boil, which is a 60 minute boil, and that'll get me 20 IBUs. So that's what I have ready. Then along with that, the only thing we have left are the usual boil additions for almost any beer, and that is yeast nutrients at 10 minutes and a little bit of whirl flock, five-ish minutes, somewhere around there. And that is it. That's the boil additions for this one. The mash is three quarters of the way through, so I'm gonna start heating up the sparge water. This is only a half gallon, so this shouldn't take long. And I'm gonna have to keep an eye on the temperature because once it goes over, it's a little more difficult to cool it down than it is to heat it up without involving an ice bath and adding ice, which I don't wanna do. This water is now balanced to the profile I want, so I wanna use this water. And the easiest thing to avoid all that is make sure it doesn't go over. So that is my plan. The initial mash is done. So I am getting ready for mash out and that involves turning this up to 168 degrees, increasing the power back up to 100% on the heating elements. Once it does reach that 168 degrees, I will set a timer for 10 minutes. And when that's halfway done, I'm gonna add that carafa three we were just talking about. I have milled the craft of three, kind of looks like coarsely ground coffee, and it's time to add it to the top of the mash. And I'm putting the recirculation plate back, along with the lid, putting in that restart hose, and now starting the pump back up. Let's see what happens. It's almost the end of the mash out. So this has been recirculating through that little dusting of Carafa 3 for almost five minutes. And I think this is going to work, or at least it's getting me a lot closer than it was without it. This color is definitely darkened up with the boil. I think I'm gonna have the color I want. At the, at the very least, this is way closer than it was before. I'm happy. I'm happy with where it's at now. I think I'm gonna be happy with the final uh, outcome of at least color wise on this. So glad I went through that and did it and glad it worked. So now I just gotta wait to get to sparging. Then we'll get this, uh, this boil going. I am now sparging with that 170 degree water. And again, it 
it's just a half gallon. This will not take long. It's actually going to take longer for it to drain, which I usually give it about 10 minutes or so to drain. If I hear the drips kind of slow down and stop before that, I'll pull it out. But typically 10 minutes to drain if the sparge, and then, then I get it into the kettle and get to the oil. I am transferring that wort into the kettle now, and I'm filtering it through a fine mesh strainer, and it is catching some decent-sized pieces of husk that fell through, so that's good. Don't want those in there to boil and create some more tannic flavors, so, or astringent, I think is more what it does, but I also need to pay attention and not let this pump run dry, so I'm going to cut this recording short and get back to the transfer, and then, really, to the boil. Well, I believe I said we're onto the boil next, but that was a lie. I guess we're we're leading towards a boil. The kettle is on the stove, the heater, the burner is turned on. But I want to check something that I never checked before. The mash always comes out warm or hot to, to, to an extent, no matter which process is if if I drain right at the time the mash is done. So I wanted to see where the actual starting point of the boil is on here, and it's 160 degrees. And it probably comes out warmer out of the anvil assisted brewing than using the mash tun, which kind of lends to why these one gallon batches with the anvil assisted brew are quicker in general than all the brewing I did. Just curious, because it only has, I forgot to mention, it only has 72 degrees to get the boiling as opposed to starting from 70 and needing 160 some to go. So that's a. Uh, that math doesn't work out, does it? Yeah, it does. It does. Anyway, <laughs> the, um, I, I get so sidetracked on these. Uh, it was a curiosity I had. It's interesting. 160 degrees starting out. It's probably warmer than that now because I've babbled on as it's heating up. But once that boil gets going, we will start the actual brewing. I'm not going to say that's next because I keep saying that and it hasn't been. So we'll see. I'm at my computer because I have a little bit of a problem. I don't think it's a problem yet, a challenge to take care of on this brew. The starting gravity is way high. The target was 1.022, and the starting gravity is actually 1.027. And I know I've said before in these episodes, the anvil assisted one-gallon batches, that the starting gravity is, or the, sorry, the pre-boil gravity, I think I said starting, I meant to say pre-boil gravity. The pre-boil gravity is always higher than predicted, and it tends to even out, but we've learned lately in the last few brews with the anvil, that's not true. It, it actually ends up kind of hitting the mark. So while the, the pre-boil gravity is always higher than predicted, the starting gravity tends to hit its points. It doesn't fall back and even out. It, it's, it hits its target. That's the word I'm looking for. The problem with that in this beer is it's one of those recipes that I made the overcompensation for. For uh, I've made it the starting gravity goal really high, thinking it's going to fall in the middle range because that's what had happened before, but is no longer happening. So that's way higher than I want this beer to or this wort to start at. It's going to give me, a, and if everything works well the way it's supposed to with fermentation, and everything it's way higher ABV than I than I want in this. So, the it's too late to take grains out. It's too late to, well, it's not too late to add water, but I don't want to do that because the calculations on that are, I don't know what to do. I What I do know how to do 
is reduce the boil time from 60 minutes to 30 minutes. Since And that's very doable with this beer because there is only one boil edition. So what I have to do now, I'm doing it right now. I have Beersmith in front of me. I'm going to change that single boil edition from 60 minutes to 30 minutes, and it's going to drop the IBU. Right now the IBU is at, what is it? It's at... 20.3 IBUs. I'm looking for about 20. This is going to drop it. And it did. It dropped it to 16.8. So now I have to increase the amount of hops I'm putting in. So I'm at 0.23 now. So I'm going to 0.25. All right, that gets me to 18. So 0.27 is probably where I want to land. 7, whoops, 0.27. That gets me 19.17. Let's try uh, 19.7. Sorry. <laughs> Let's try... 0.28. All right, 0.28 is 20.5. Actually, you know what? I like the other better, 19.7. I know it's a little low, but I like that better. So 0.27 ounces of hops will get me to 19.7 IBUs, which is a little higher than the mid-range of the Dark Mild. And that is only 0.04 ounces more hop pellets. So that's like four or five small pellets. That's at 16, I think is what it was before. It's kind of negligible, but I would like to get these numbers as close as I can for this first brew. So I'm going to go ahead and add that very small addition to get the calculated IBU. So I got to do that now. The boil is probably about to start. In fact, I, I turned the, the, the burner way down so I could come do this. Uh, but I got a little, just, I don't have much more time to get ready. So I'm going to run and do that. And then probably the, the boil will, will be going by the time I'm done. We are at boil now, and I have added the only hop addition, the now 0.27 ounces of East Kent Golding for 30 minutes instead of 60. Now I've got 20 minutes to wait and clean, and mostly clean, I think. So yes, I only have 20 minutes, so i got to get the foundry and everything else all clean so that I don't have to clean it later. the last 10 minutes of the boil so i just added the yeast nutrients the foundry the pump and the hoses are all clean and now i'm going to get some sanitizer in the fermenter and get a little bowl of sanitizer to put the lid the stopper and the airlock in so that when i'm done chilling i can go ahead and get this wort in there yeast pitched and you know do the whole everything we need to do to finish up and make this beer The last five minutes of the boil, so I just put in that little chunk of flock, and now I'm going to fill up one of my sink bays with ice and just wait these last minutes to the boil until the boil is completed. I am chilling the wort in an ice bath, as you probably figured out from the description and from shows past. And I think this one's going to take a little longer because the volume is theoretically 50% more than usual. And just looking at this right now, the wort level is about, man, almost two inches above the ice line. And so there's definitely more in here and it's nothing I can really do, but just wait. Well, there's there's things I could do, but I don't want to do because I, I want this chilled like this. I don't want anything added in here. I just, this is what I'm comfortable doing. And I'm trying to get it down to 65 degrees because I'm using Imperial Pub Yeast, which I believe is A9, A09. I'm not sure about the number, but its label is Pub. And that is 
this range is, I believe, 64 to 72. 64, I know, is the lower number, and I've had really good results at starting at 65, letting that go for a week, and then slowly raising the temperature up just a couple degrees over the next few days, and then, then let it ride. So I'm going for 65 degrees. It's going to take some time. In fact, I'm probably going to need to get some ice out of the fridge directly again and get it in the kind of corners of the sink. But again, I will stir and I will continue to stir until this is cold and then I will be back. The beer is in the fermenter or the wort. Actually, technically the beer is as I speak in the fermenter because I put the wort in, I pitched the yeast, and now I put the fermenter in the fermentation fridge. And I just checked out the starting gravity and the range in the BJCP guidelines is 1030 or 1.030 to 1.038. And I was going for about 1034 or 1035. And I was going to exceed that if everything goes as it's been going doing this process. So that's why I reduced to a half hour boil to reduce some of those points. I ended up with 1.032. It's a little lower than I wanted, but if this yeast attenuates out as well as it usually does for me, this still should be about a 3.2% beer, which is the range I'm looking for. Now it's really in the yeast hands at this point. Um, it's, yeah, that's, it's all said and done. I'm not gonna, well, I, yeah, I was just gonna say, I'm not gonna pour that back into a pot and boil it. That would kill the yeast. I don't even know what that would do. I mean, I know it would kill the yeast. I don't even know what that would do if you boiled a beer that was pitched with yeast, killed everything, Rechilled it, repitched more yeast. I can't imagine it's a great taste, but it might just it might just do nothing. I don't know. I'm not gonna experiment with this beer. I'm gonna wait it up, see what we get, and this is a truly wait and see moment. First time I made this recipe, first time I made this beer, and a couple of this is a first time in a long time, not first time ever. I had to make some serious adjustments along the way, adding that craft of three and reducing the boiling time and changing the hops. So this one's really, I'm really curious how this turns out. So we're going to find out in a little bit. Well, you'll find out soon. I'll find out in a couple weeks. I am checking out the beer almost a day later, a couple hours short. It's exactly where I like it with this yeast. And at this temperature, it's the fermentation is strong, but not going nuts. Like it's not really, the airlock isn't bubbling like, boiling pot of water but it is continually bubbling and the wort the krausen is nowhere near the top of it so I'm not going to need a blow off tube this is exactly where i like this yeast and again at this temperature so things are looking good uh won't really be able to tell much more until uh the days of fermentation keep going that sounded like a like an old uh what do you call it an old classic novel days of fermentation that's not what i meant to say but just going to keep an eye on it for the next few days. I'm wondering with the low sugar content and low starting gravity, if this is going to be a very short fermentation. That's kind of where I was getting at with this. So I'm in new territory, so I don't know what to expect. So we will find out in a sense together, I guess. So we'll see what comes next. It is time to check out what we got here as a final product. We're going to taste it. Take a good look at it, check out the aroma, check out all of the characteristics of this dark mild. And I am going to admit, I'm pretty excited. This is another one with most beers, I'll be honest. It kind of tastes along the way. This one 
could kind of see where this was going from the first sampling out of the fermenter till we got it in this glass now. So it, I, I think I'm going to be happy with this. Since this is my first dark mild, I am pulling up the guidelines to kind of take a look to see how it matches what is uh, what it's described to be. I'm not quite sure what phrase I want to use here when I compare it to the guidelines because if I'm I, I guess to go on a little bit of a tangent, if I'm brewing a beer with a specific intent, like flavor, aroma, experience, guidelines aren't going to really mean anything. If I am trying to make it a example of a style, specific style, then the guidelines mean a lot more. This case, I, that is exactly what I'm doing. I want to make a dark mild. I want to make it as close to spec, I guess. Maybe not really specifications, but description, definitely, as as I can. And the first is the appearance I'm going to look at here. And they say copper to dark brown or mahogany color. And that is exactly what I have. I'm hope, I hope it comes across in the picture. I'm having a really tough time taking pictures of these beers for the thumbnails of the episodes. But I'm hoping that mahogany color, little uh, like a dark mahogany, almost brown. And that is exactly the exact color I wanted out of this, especially when I added that late uh, mash edition of the carafe. I, I couldn't be any happier with the color. The clarity was fantastic. Um, right now, it's a little hard to tell because it's, it's so stinking humid again in Florida. That cold snap I mentioned a couple episodes ago is gone. So the condensation is ridiculous on this glass. But if I wipe it down, I can see straight through this. It's, it is crystal clear. I use silifine. Uh, almost exclusively for my finding. Well, that's not true. I, I use it with the world flock, but as post uh, fermentation findings, and it does a absolute fantastic job. So I'm going to go on to the aroma with this beer and the style guidelines. There's a huge range of what it can be. So I don't really want to, I've, I've read, obviously read the guidelines for the style before, but I don't have the, I don't have it memorized for this, this style. It's 13 a, by the way, for following along, uh, under the category brown British beer and 13A being the dark mild. So what I want to do to backtrack again, I want to describe what I smell, what I experience in the aroma, then read what the guidelines say and see where we are. So right off the bat, like there is this raw nuttiness, this like roasted nut almost, but not terribly roasted, just like enough to just bring out, that natural roasty earthiness of uh, like a walnut or a, I don't know, maybe a chestnut. Oh, it's just, it's, it is, that is the most prominent thing on there. And then behind that, a little bit of roast character, very tiny bit. Some baked character, like a bready, like a really, really, uh, uh, I was going to say bready, but that's not quite, it's a little more than that. It's kind of like, um, I used this description before in our holiday ale, uh, ale episode. It's like when you bake something like a cookie, for instance, and you kind of get that dark ring that, and you just kind of like maybe break that piece off and eat it. And it's a different taste than the rest of the cookie. It's kind of the sugar is gone. It's a little bit of, a little bit of a burnt, a little bit of a, a roast, a little, not roast, but a toast, a little a, a baked aspect, something you can't really get. Otherwise, unless you something that usually you can only get in baking, not necessarily exclusively, but I mean, most easily to say that character's in there. Just a hint of malt sweetness, not much. I wouldn't call it anything specific other than malt sweetness. There's not a 
caramel. There's not a toffee. There's not just just a little sweet note in there, like a little maybe. No, I was gonna say molasses. I don't think that either. Not even a honey. Just a little sweet character, sugary sweet character under there. Well, the malt sweetness. I mean, if you have had a beer, you know what that sweet aroma is, and that's 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 what it is. It's the general sweet aroma. So let's see what the guidelines say, and if I'm in the ballpark. So for aroma, they say low to moderate malt aroma may have some fruitiness. The malt can express a wide range of character, which can include caramel, toffee, grainy, toasted, nutty, chocolate, or lightly roasted. Little to no hop aroma, earthy or floral if present. Well, I definitely do not get any any hop aroma at all. And that doesn't surprise me from how little hops are in this. And I wouldn't say any fruitiness, but I'd say I hit a couple of those other characters, like the um, definitely the toasted, the nutty, and the lightly roasted. I mean, that's, I think, <laughs> what I was describing most. I'm going to do the same flavor here right now. I'm going to taste it and tell you what I get out of it and then see what the guidelines say the style should have. So right off the bat, it's all malt. I mean, there's no hop to it, no real bitterness. There's a little bit of a bitter uh, character to it, but I wouldn't say it's a, like, it's definitely not a key characteristic of it. It's just like the, I think I used a very minimal amount of bittering hops. So it does have a little bit of that in there, but it's, it's not a, it's not a, a, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a, it's not in the forefront at all. I just happened to notice it probably knowing that it's there. The flavor follows like everything that the aroma has. It has, I'd say roast first. Roast is the first flavor that comes across and a little bit of toastedness. And then the, the nuttiness comes back uh, on the, in the aftertaste. It, it kind of comes about a good full second after the swallow, which is kind of neat. Very, very, <laughs> uh, Interestingly, uh, surprisingly flavorful for how small this is. I'm not sure. I won't know until I go into the recording, so I may be repeating myself. This beer actually came up short. I was aiming for about 3.2%. It came out to 2.8. So it's even under the style guidelines. But even at that, it doesn't taste like a beer that is less than 3% because it has so much flavor. Like even a... A mass-produced light beer doesn't have this much flavor. Like there's, there's is, there is a little bit, and it's hard not to have it at such a low ABV. I think. I, I mean, I could be wrong. There's a bit of thinness to it. Um, I wouldn't say it watered down, but there is a thinness to it, and that's probably because of again the low ABV. But um, before we get into the body and mouthfeel, which is where I was headed inadvertently. Let's see what the style guideline says. So it says for flavor, generally a malty beer. Yes, I think that's, like, that's definitely what this is. All that may have a wide range of malt and yeast-based flavors. Malty sweet, caramel toffee, toast, nutty, chocolate, coffee, roast, fruit, licorice, plum, and raisin. Wow. I definitely don't get any of that. I'd say of those descriptors, a little bit of malty, not quite sweet. They're more of a bready in this. I didn't, just, I didn't say that. It, there's a bit, a little more of a breadiness to this than, than the aroma that I'm Definitely the toast, definitely nutty. A little bit of coffee or roast. I would probably describe it more as a roast than a coffee. doesn't quite have that refined flavor of a coffee. And it also goes on to say you can finish sweet to dry. It's it. That's another surprising thing. This thing finishes dry. This is a <laughs> very dry beer, again, at 2.8%. Three at best if I messed up the calculation. There's no way it's more than 3%. 
Finishing up the guidelines here on flavors says low to moderate bitterness, enough to provide some balance, but not enough to overpower them all. Exactly. That is exactly the bitterness I was trying to describe in the beginning. And it says fruit, esters, moderate to none, diacetyl, and hot flavor, low to none, which I don't get any of those at all. So going into mouthfeel, like I said, it's very thin. It's it's a light-bodied beer. It's... I carbonated it probably higher than I should, but it's not my, it's not the level I like most of my beers. It is, it's fairly carbonated. I'm going to take another taste to kind of get the feel of the carbonation now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's medium carbonation, I'd say. Uh, again, just very light bodied, even a little thin. Um, as far as the texture, not much to it. It's very smooth. There's no real harshness to it at all. There's definitely no alcohol heat. There isn't much of a creaminess to it. Maybe a little bit is being perceived with the, the carbonation, but I would say uh, in and of itself, without that, there's really not. So looking quick at the guidelines for mouthfeel, I say light to medium body. That's true. Yeah, I, I might even say it's, it's definitely light. I don't think it's anywhere past that. Generally low to medium, low carbonation. Uh, it's, I think it's a little more than medium low, but that's why I like it. I'm sorry. I I... I I try to dial in these British beers as the low carbonations, and I just don't like drinking them. Uh, Roast-based versions may have light astringency. I really don't get any astringency out of this, considering it is more roast-forward, uh, especially with that addition of the carafa, even though that's debittered and dehusked uh, grain. It's still roasted, but I don't really get any astringency at all. I shouldn't say really. I just don't. And as I say, sweeter versions may have a rather full mouthfeel for the gravity. And that I could see how even at 3 three to 3.5%, three how a sweet version of this would probably be like that, but that was not what I was going for. This is, I would say, at worst, this is 90% of what I wanted. Uh, I want, if there's anything I would change, I want a little more of a fullness to it. It's it's a little thin, like I said, so it's light. It's definitely light, which I expect. It might even be less than light. It's a little thin. I just want, to, I just want it turned up just a bit, and I think... Brewing it again and making sure I hit that 3.2 to 3.4 ABV range is exactly what I need in this. So I am really close. This is this is almost, it is so close to what I wanted when I started this that I, I cannot complain about this beer at all. And so a couple of questions asked that I do at the end of these episodes. One, would I brew this again? Absolutely. In fact, I would, I'm going to do the same recipe again. And I'm, it's going to come down to the boil. The short end of that missing that gravity came down to the boil the final boils starting gravity number was too low there really wasn't anything the yeast could do other than ferment the beer even fermenting it out dry would barely get it past i think 3.4 percent at best and i knew this yeast the straining yeast i was using wasn't going to do that it's least tolerance it's i'm sorry it's a uh, yeast no it's abv tolerance it's fairly high it's like 10 or 11 but it's still only, oh, what is the word? I want to say attenuates. I think it only attenuates about 75 to 80% of all the sugars. And with those numbers, I knew this was going to be low. And lo and behold, it is low. So I, I'm going to make this exact recipe again. I'm going to monitor the boil better this time. Uh, I might even let it go the whole hour. And instead of making, if, it, if my numbers end up being high, I'm not going to adjust the boil time. I will add water to it. Although that might thin it out. That's the only thing I'm going to do. Those are the two factors I'm going to change. Uh, you should only really change one when you're nitpicking your beers like this. But I think I think they kind of go hand in hand. 
So I'm going to do the full boil. If it's a little high, I'm going to add a little water to bring it down. Talk, talk about the starting gravity, but that's another um, episode somewhere down the line probably. Another question is, is am I going to enter this in a competition? I think I am. Even with it being thinner than I expected, you don't need to tell the judges anything statistically about your beer, just what the style is. They won't know, and they aren't going to measure. That's not part of the process. They're not, they're not going to know, at least in writing or by any other factor, that it's under 3%. They might be able to taste it's under 3% or say they can. I'm not quite sure. It all depends on the judge. But I think presenting it as it is, is pretty good representation of the style and might have a good chance of doing something. I'm not necessarily expecting it to. I'm always hoping to. I mean, who enters a competition hoping they lose? But it I, I wouldn't surprise me either way if it does or doesn't. But I think um, at the worst, I should get some good feedback and see if they, they agree that the body and the overall lightness of it, the thinness of it, is really the only thing that's lacking in this for the style. Because otherwise, I think this just came out terrific. I'm going to taste it again. <laughs> it is such a good style it's it's i don't i, I wish I'd, I'd seen more of it there is one local brewery that seems to have it consistently which is cool so i can always get a good local example but it's just not it's not the most popular uh style at all in the brewing circuit and or at uh breweries and i can see i guess i can see why you, you got to put your i think by law you have to put your abvs on the on the uh, menus and if someone sees 3.2 and it's six dollars a pint and then you see a 7.5 and it's six dollars a pint which one are you gonna buy so <laughs> that just this makes good business sense but man this is a gorgeous color I, I this is the only time i regret not doing this on youtube anymore and i'm swirling it around it's getting i can revive the head a little bit but the head never gets more than a very thin layer on top so the carbonation might be passable for what's described as so I think there's usually a third question I ask myself in these wrap-ups and these tastings, but I don't remember what it is, and I'm so happy with this beer, I don't care, because I'm going to make this again and get that ABV up just a little bit and then be uh, really excited to try that. So on that note, I'm going to wrap this up. I do have to say, of course, thank you for listening. I'll be back again with an episode very soon, and I still have uh, just more to come. The show is rolling along i am enjoying recording them as i brew and i've had to brew a lot uh, lately because of competition season starting and iron brewer is coming up soon i hope to record something on site there that should be fun to talk about those beers but we've got more to do before that so i will say one more time of course thank you for listening and i will see you in that next episode